go ahead and pray together. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this Lord's Day. Thank you for the uh, beauty of your creation, snow covering everything uh, here this morning. We, we thank you that this uh, is a reminder to us that you have covered us with Christ's blood and you have washed us clean, that we are as white as snow. Uh, we thank you for uh, the fact that you are our maker and uh, we pray that we would honor you in our understanding of what you have done to create all things and here especially in regard to when and uh, we pray that you would uh, bless our time together here this morning in Christ's name, Amen Okay, <clears throat> we have been in the midst of uh, discussing this uh, handout that I had uh, given to you in regard to um, the, an exegetical look at the word for day and I uh, just had a, a couple more things to, to mention here in this way, uh, but just by uh, a brief review. As we look at the word day, especially in Genesis 1 and 2, um, it, it is used in different ways. And so you often hear people from an older perspective say the word day is used in these different ways, just in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2. And... In certain ways, we can say, well, yeah, you're right. But, as I've been trying to do, I've been trying to look at the pattern that Moses follows in the Pentateuch uh, that is consistent with what he gives us for the six days of creation. On those six days, they all end, right, as we often hear it in our translations, there's evening and morning, the first day or the second day or something like that. In Hebrew, literally it is day one, day two. <clears throat> there's no definite article, there's no preposition, and what we say in Hebrew is not in the construct form. In other words, it's not forming a short phrase. It's just there. The word day, in the singular, all by itself, and then a number with it. And as we look at the, the way Moses uses the word day in the Pentateuch, trying to follow this basic pattern, how is the word day in the singular all by itself used? Um, we see that there is a very clear pattern that emerges. Every time the word day all by itself, when it's used with a number, um, in the Pentateuch, it refers to a regular day. The closest thing we get to something different is 40 days and 40 nights. But still, we're not talking 40 million years or something to that effect. Um, and so we've looked at some of these examples and where it is found slightly differently. And, uh, and what I've been um, uh, concluding with here is looking at those other occurrences in Genesis 1, 2, and in fact, chapter 3 as well, that are often cited and say, well, see, look, the word day can mean some indefinite period of time. Look how it's used here. And so we've looked at how the word day is found in the plural, days. And so, for example, in Genesis 3, the serpent is going to crawl in its belly all the days of its life. And um, Adam is going to um, uh, uh, suffer because of the curse on the ground all the days of his life. Well, clearly that refers to a long period of time. Uh, snakes still crawl in their bellies. We still suffer. And yet it's plural. It's presented differently than we see in Genesis 1. We also were in the midst of looking at uh, how the word day is found with the definite article and or with a preposition. 
And here again is where we can see it referring to some indefinite period of time or longer period of time. And, uh, and so we were in the midst of this, and we had looked especially on day four, because you see uh, that used quite a bit there, right? The sun and the moon are four uh, days and years, right? The seasons and so on. And the sun governs the day and the moon the night and such. So <clears throat> you see it used quite a bit in that uh, particular context. But again, it has a definite article and or the preposition. But even so, you're not talking about uh, anything that would point us in the direction of a long, long, long period of time. So <clears throat> the next, uh, uh, if you will, group of examples is associated with the seventh day. So let's turn to... Genesis 2 here a moment. And in Genesis 2, we see uh, in verses 1 to 3, here first of all, uh, these words, let's just read all this, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God rested his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day, from all his work which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested <coughs> from all his work, <coughs> excuse me, which God had created and made. All right, we well, see there, uh, in particular, uh, verses 2 and 3. And um, this is actually very different from the first six days. You remember when I was talking about the old earth position and how they often will say, we're still in the seventh day because it doesn't say evening and morning, seventh day and such. So we're still in it, they would say. Uh, and so because we're still in the seventh day, and we know that's thousands of years in length, then the other days can be long too. But as I said, it's, it, we need to go the other way. As you look at the first six days, they all have the exact same pattern. Now you come to this one. It's completely different. On the seventh day, no. Preposition. Definite article. Definite article is found uh, on uh, both seven and day. And so, again, this is very different from what we see in the first six days. And so, if we can say that we're still in the seventh day, and I'm not sure we can, but if we can, again, it's very different than what we see from the previous six. And so you frequently hear this kind of argument, but... Uh, just have to recognize it's presented to us very differently. Um, <clears throat> then as you look at verse 4, you often hear this one then brought out. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Well, clearly that's indefinite, right? Unless you're Augustine, you believe in instantaneous creation. <laughs> but we don't believe that. We believe it did happen over a series of days. Uh, but day here obviously refers to at least seven. And it took six days to create and one day to rest. So in the day that God did this, um, it, it, it does have an indefinite feel. But it has a preposition. And this actually does not have the definite article with it, but it does have a preposition, which, as I've said before, attaches directly to uh, the Hebrew word here. So again, it's, it's just presented to us differently than what we see for the first six days. Um, 
But even so, even if we can talk about some indefinite period of time here, there's no indication that's referring to millions and billions of years. <clears throat> then, <clears throat> if you look down to uh, verse 17 here in chapter 2, we see uh, this stated in regard to uh, what we call the covenant with Adam and the covenant of works or something like that. In verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat it. Uh, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. All right, well, this has a uh, preposition with it. Uh, no definite article in this particular case. Literally, for in day or on day you eat of it. Um, it really has more of an unknown idea to it, right, than an indefinite idea. We don't know when it's going to be. Uh, and when he did eat it, it was a particular day. He didn't take millions of years and tiny, tiny little nibbles on that apple or whatever it was. Each day, uh, it happened on a particular day. Um, so, anyway. But again, what I want you to see, and, and even if you can't remember all these details, when somebody talks to you saying the word day can mean an indefinite period of time, you say, well, yeah, you're right. But that doesn't that the way we see it used indefinitely does not follow the pattern that we see in Genesis 1, where we see the same pattern elsewhere in the first or regular day. So, uh, um, anyway, now there's uh, two more here, and that's in chapter 3. In chapter 3, in verse 5, it says, <coughs> For God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, okay, uh, it's more of an unknown time here, but again, it happened on that day, whatever day it was. Um, and uh, again, just a preposition here without the definite article in this particular case. And then in verse 8 it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves and such. Alright. <clears throat> this does have the definite article, and it's in construct form as well. So it's part of this short phrase in Hebrew. Um, it refers to a particular time of a particular day. We could say maybe it's indefinite in the sense that it sounded like it happened more than once every day for however long it was before Adam sinned. Um, but it does suggest to us God did this at least for a few days, maybe for a few weeks or months before they actually ate the fruit. We, again, we don't know how long it was. But, again, it's not pointing to millions and billions of years in any way. So, again, my purpose here at the end of this analysis is just to look at those other occurrences where you frequently hear people say that, look, even here in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, it means an indefinite period of time. And you can say, well, yeah, but it's different not the same pattern as Genesis 1, at least for each of the six days. Yes? syntax doesn't necessarily say that. It's just the suggestion from the context. 
suggest it happens on a regular basis. God was coming like he had done before, seems to be the assumption, to have a stroll with Adam in the garden okay. and Adam and Eve hit. It's the way it reads, right. not the... Right. I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's very yeah. transparent. Yeah. It's still a fraction of one sort of thing. Right. Yes. Yeah. <coughs> Let me take just a very brief tangent here. Some, it, it's becoming, at least to my knowledge, a somewhat novel way of interpreting this verse is to take the word uh, for day and translate it as the word for sea. Um, when you have the word for day in its construct form, it looks like the word for sea in its construct form but only when it's plural. But anyway, because of that, some people will say that we're talking about the sea here. And it's actually referring to a raging sea and God came in all of his anger and fury. Um, so you, if you haven't heard that idea, you may. To me, it's, it's new. I've just heard it in the last five or 10 years. Um, but it, it has to be the word day. It can't be the word sea. The consonants and the syntax forbids it. But anyway, just a brief comment in that way. Do you have then any questions here on um, this brief analysis that we've done? As I've indicated, I I don't typically um, become this technical with you all. I tend to do this and then give you the, uh, the, the basic ideas, maybe show you a couple things, uh, but I thought it might be helpful to be more thorough here this way uh, because it's such a, a vitally important uh, topic. Um, now, I have done this look at the conclusion of number three, Day age. Uh, I, in, in presenting the day age position, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure where this science guy comes from. If he's actually a professing believer or not, that's coming for. I looked at just a little bit of a website about him, and I could see no evidence that he was a Christian, mm -hmm. and he is espousing evolution. Mm -hmm. So I think it's basic creation versus evolution. Yeah. Although Ken Ham is definitely young. sure. Sure. So I'll be more about Tuesday. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if the science guy will try to uh, delegitimize him because he's a young earther uh, and and not look at the scientific facts of creation versus evolution. It'd be interesting to see how he approaches it. Yeah, they're, they're, it's. I thought when I first saw the poster, they were going to actually be there, and then I realized it was this podcast or whatever they call it. From the creation museum. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm curious as to what organization is sponsoring the, the live stream in State Hall. You know, it doesn't say on the poster. Who's, yeah. who's sponsoring it? Not sure. Not sure. Here's the poster. Yeah, no. 
information about who's sponsoring it, but is creation a viable model of origins in today's modern scientific era? Uh, from that, I would think it's probably going to be mostly science. Uh, now, if he's not a Christian, why like, he's going to just discount the Bible completely? But I don't think he ever should. Yeah. He's not a Christian. He's not. A Christian. Yeah. He's, he's a but I think yes, he's very condescending. Yeah. Well, Ham uh, knows how to handle that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got something out there called "Why Evolution Is Stupid." So <laughs> I think he'll be able to handle it. <laughs> But it'll be interesting if they'll use ad hominem arguments yeah. um, instead of true logical argumentation uh, to see. It'd just be interesting. Um, but anyway, back to my point. Um, I, I had presented this position here about the day age and what they believe, and I've been responding to it and looking at each of their arguments, or at least... Uh, the main ones and showing how it how they fall short and I have ended with this discussion of the exegesis and how uh, their argument for the word day does not hold up in my mind this is where we begin I ended with it but it's really the beginning of our understanding of anything what's the scripture say and um, uh, and their position doesn't hold up when it comes to the use of the word day. And so then, because of that, the other things hold uh, so much more weight. The flood is just a local flood. Well, that doesn't fit with the scriptures. So there's death before the fall. Well, uh, scripture doesn't present that either. And, you know, we talked about, you know, eight or ten different ideas there. Um, and so <clears throat> I now then transition to the young earth position, and in many ways, I have been presenting the young earth position as we've looked at the first three, gap theory, framework, and day age. And in the responses that I've given to those positions are your typical young earth response to that. Now, sometimes, even uh, day age people are going to say the same thing as I would about the gap theory. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> I've been presenting the young earth position basically all along in response to these. Now, I've tried to be fair and, and, uh, and balanced in regard to uh, these different positions. But let me <clears throat> now present a little bit about the young earth uh, viewpoint. This has been the predominant view for centuries. You often hear, especially old earth people, claim that there have been various people throughout church history that believed in an uh, something other than a young earth is how you often hear presented. And if you hear it that way, you might be able to agree with them. Because Augustine, among others, believed in an instantaneous creation. And did, that it did not take six days. But then you often hear people then go the next step and say, well, see, they didn't believe in a young earth, so they must have believed in an old earth or something to that effect. But um, some of them are very careful in the way they work, but some of them are not. And um, to my knowledge, there has been no clear evidence to say that anybody believed in an old earth uh, among uh, you know, the church for centuries. It's just been something that is recent in the last couple hundred years. Um, now, there may be an individual out there, some rogue idea that believes that, but as a, as a more consistent position in the church, um, or a main 
if you will, main uh, teacher in the church, and, uh, uh, I, I'm not aware of any that does. Though the claim is often put out there that there, there have been. Um, <clears throat> all right, now, as we look at Genesis 1 and 2, uh, the basic idea is, is just simply this. You read it, and it sounds like a young earth. Uh, maybe very simplistic. All I did with the exegesis factors into that statement. It sounds like a, a just with a natural, plain reading of the text that this is referring to regular days, and not referring to long, long, long periods of time. You don't get that in reading Genesis one and even Genesis two. Um, I mentioned, of course, about our study of the word day um, and uh, young earth. Maybe, at least in my experience, they don't necessarily get as detailed as I have been with you. <clears throat> what you often hear is the word for day, when it's used with a number, refers to a regular day. And that's, at least in my experience, usually the extent of uh, the exegesis in regard to the word day. And it's true, but I've just tried to show I think there's an even stronger case. Um, and then thirdly, of course, the young earth position says the scripture clearly teaches that death is a result of man's sin. Um, it's a, a moral ecology, if you will. Our, uh, um, the, the nature and our study of the ecosystem, right, our ecology, uh, is, is a moral one. The reason why plants decay and die and so forth is because of man's sin. It's not just the way it's always been. And the scripture, as I've shown you, in response to the day-age position, scripture is very clear, uh, I believe, in this way. And so, uh, in terms of your arguments, the plain reading of the text, the exegesis of the word day, and in particular the theological understanding of, of sin and death, are some of the, the most vital uh, arguments that the young earth position gives in support for their position. And... Uh, think they're extremely strong. Now, you often hear people uh, in younger circles uh, point to some other things, and in my mind, I see them as supplementary arguments. I don't think they can be foundational arguments. And so, for example, um, we often hear in regard to the fourth uh, commandment, that as God created in six days, and rest of the seventh, so we should work for six days and rest on the seventh day. Um, I see this as a supplemental argument. Uh, I don't think we could start our argument here, because it is conceivable, possible, that God could have taken six eons of time and boiled it down into a week for us to follow a pattern. I don't think that's what he did, but I suppose it's possible we could do that. In my mind, I see this argument as uh, along the same lines of household baptisms. Those who deny infant baptism point to household baptisms. Those who believe in infant baptism point to household baptisms. And uh, I think there's enough, uh, uh, how should I say, there's enough ambiguity in it that you could go either way. But once you establish the 
the argumentation for infant baptism for, from other passages, then the household baptisms, I think, are supplemental and show, well, look, this follows the pattern of infant baptism that has been around since Abraham and so forth. So in, in my mind, in the same way, the fourth commandment is supplemental. After you establish the plain reading of the text, the exegetical word for day, the theological arguments for death and sin, then this, I think, fits in and supports it. <clears throat> but I, I don't think we can start here because uh, I think people will... Um, uh, I think they can too easily explain it away. And, uh, and that's why I tend to f- focus on these other things and then speak of this uh, in a supplemental kind of way. Uh, there are other passages, I think, that are similar in that way, uh, but uh, this is one you hear uh, quite frequently. Uh, Naomi, did I see your hand, or are you playing with your sunglasses? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, I, I um, uh, just, that's the way I approach it, anyway. All right, let me make a couple other comments here in this. Uh, and I uh, mentioned this one before. I don't remember exactly when. I think it was in our discussion here today, age position. But some people <coughs> do not like to use the term 24-hour days of creation. And it's because there is some scientific evidence to suggest that the uh, rotation of the earth is slowing down. And so it's possible when God first created things that it wasn't 24 hours. It may have been as short as about 23 hours, but there's, you know, there's just, we can't say it definitively, but <clears throat> there is a suggestion that the earth is slowing down its rotation. And so because of that, you will uh, sometimes hear young earth people speak of a solar day or a regular day or uh, something to that effect and not use the language of 24-hour days of creation, because it may have been slightly different than that. Okay. Um, Along these lines, sometimes you'll hear young earth people say, we can speak of a regular 24-hour day from day four on, but we can't necessarily say that about days one, two, and three, because the sun wasn't created yet. And so it's possible that the first three days were more like 28 hours or 32 hours or maybe even 50 hours in length. We don't know because you don't have the pattern of the sun and the moon until day four. Now, they by no means say these can be millions or billions of years in length, even hundreds of years in length. But just the day may be longer than our, you know, what we typically think of as 24 hours. And so there are some people in the young earth position that on the first three days will acknowledge that maybe it's longer than, than this. Um, I, uh, I, I understand their idea. I'm not sure we have to go in that direction. You do see the pattern of evening and morning, day and night on the first three days. Okay, maybe it wasn't 24 hours, but... Um, in light of what we know about the rotation of the earth, which gives us day and night, um, then God would have had to really change things between day three and day four. Um, you know, 
greatly speeding up or possibly slowing down the rotation of the Earth, which I mean, certainly could have done that and didn't tell us. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, just to, to bring this point out, uh, that sometimes you hear among young Earth people. All right, let me pause here a moment. Are there any comments or questions? source of that light, of course, and, and yes, and, and, and that's, it contributes to some of the reasoning that people will say what they say, we just don't know, and we don't know how, how that really worked. Yes, Nina? Well, there, even from verse 1, there was, it says, evening and morning, light and darkness, which I find interesting because you don't get the sense in Revelation there is going to be darkness too. I was sitting here thinking about that. In your revelation, you get the idea that God is the lamp and it's going to be light forever. You don't get the sense that there's going to be night and day, night and day, day. And yet God called it good. This isn't before sin. Right. So nighttime and darkness are not a result of evil, even though in Scripture you see darkness being associated with evil. Well, certainly being cast into outer darkness. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my question is, the new heavens and the new earth, and we can't assume we're going to follow the same, it's the same issue as on the front end with Genesis 1. We can't assume they're going to follow the same kinds of physical principles. You know, that we that we are aware of today. And of course we would assume that anyway because the second law of thermodynamics would not be in play. Because you, you don't, I mean it's very clear they're not going to be death and destruction. All that, and the scripture makes that clear. But even some of these other things are not function. Yeah, the fact that Jesus could appear and disappear you know, suggests an ability to to exist in dimensions beyond what we're able to exist in. Um, it, it may be that the laws of gravity are different and we could jump around like the, the men could on the moon or something, you know. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Ken. I guess just in my own mind, it, to put perspective to it, there's a lot about this that you don't understand. I mean, I understand the pattern and everything, but time itself is, is creation. It's a part of creation. It doesn't specifically say when or that started, but it doesn't have a holding on God's ability or his, you know, his power. It's, it's just there, I guess, for us finites to, to try to put everything in perspective and uh, to, to come to the conclusion of, of uh, anything else, literally what the Bible says, that this is a day and this, this is going to relate to in this world of our day is, I think, we're stretching things. Well, and, and that's part of the argument of people on days one, two, and three. Um, you know, 
once the sun was created, you know, everything seems to, from that point, follow what we experienced. Prior to that, it may have been different. We don't know for sure. But God certainly made it and, and gives us... And it doesn't call it any differently. Right. Patterns the same. That's right. That's right. So, in my mind, I think we should assume the same. Uh, but, okay, maybe it wasn't quite the same. But, you know. Why would you just say otherwise? Right, right. And, and I don't know if it matters all that much. Um, you know, this is a debate within young earther position here. <laughs> Any other comments or questions? says there's no night there um, and it says about night or darkness in association with judgment um, but it also says there's no more sea does that mean there won't be any waters and seas in the new heavens and the new earth I think those are understood in, its, in their evil metaphorical sense at least maybe it's literal but at least it's the metaphorical idea and yet there's water because there's a river. Sure. Flowing That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I was talking with Mrs. Kubert yesterday about, uh, you know, what's it like to be in heaven? You know, a lot of questions. And I kept saying, you don't know. We'll find out when we get there. Anyway, it comes to mind here on some of these points, too. We just don't know. We don't, we'll know what it's like someday. And back to the beginning, we weren't there. And uh, God gave us what we need to understand. We must believe it. Other comments or questions? Well, Charlie's going to dig me here in just a minute, but let me um, anticipate the next point, and that is the flood is extremely important for the young earth position, and not in the sense of we need this to justify our position, but as we look at the evidence biblically in regard to the flood, it explains an awful lot as we look at the uh, scientific evidence around us. Okay? Uh, and so the flood uh, is going to explain many, many, many things that uh, your scientist is going to, to uh, ask questions about. And so <clears throat> um, when it comes to uh, the issue of, of the fossil record, how do you explain that? Well, the old earth position actually cannot explain it. And so they have altered their position to talk about catastrophes. Well, the flood is a rather significant catastrophe. And it explains the fossil record perfectly. When you talk about stratification of rock, well, the old earth position in gradualism has a really difficult time explaining that. Well, the flood, earth, the flood can explain that quite easily. Um, you have marine fossils on the top of mountains. Our 
physician can't explain that. This blood can. Uh, you have certain uh, deposits, I forget what it's called now, uh, along the fault line there in the middle of the Atlantic. The old earth physician can't explain it. The salt rock. The young earth physician can. The flood. That's how it got there. It was the only way it could get there. And, and you know, there, there are many things that can be done in that way. Um, how do you see a, uh, a, a tree upside down in, you know, supposedly millions and millions and millions of strata of rock? How, how can you do that? It's upside down, first of all. And so the tree gets turned over, getting no nutrients, and it can survive for all these years while the strata just gradually layered up. Well, Flood can explain that. Um, you know, they give all these arguments about a petrified forest. It takes all these years. Well, we've got a petrified forest up in Oregon. That only happened a few years ago after Mount St. Helens. So, um, the flood answers a lot of things. Not everything. We're still left with some questions. But uh, this is extremely important uh, in the young earth position to explain scientifically um, how things become the way they are today. Um, and so I, I intend to say some more about this, uh, but just wanted to give you a, a general explanation. Uh, we believe the flood, uh, biblically, as well as scientifically, but especially biblically, was around 2500 B.C. Okay, so approximately 4,500 years ago. And, uh, and as, you, as you look at the genealogies and so forth, we know Abraham was around 2000 or 2100 B.C., and the flood obviously is before that. So uh, approximately 4,500 years ago. And again, just one more little tidbit. The, the flood explains the Ice Age. Uh, and so on. So we'll, we'll say more about some of those things as we uh, continue here, Lord willing, next week. But uh, uh, I want to uh, spend some time on that uh, here as we continue. Okay. Well, we better quit today. So let's pray again. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that your word is clear. Uh, give us uh, faith to, uh, to believe what it says and uh, the implications that that, that brings for us. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you have created all things and that you have revealed to us, at least in some ways, how you did that and when you did that. And so, Lord, um, again, we pray for, um, for boldness to, to stand on what your scripture teaches us, uh, especially in light of a not only a secular culture, but even a, a church culture that, that often believes differently. Lord, we pray now that you would strengthen us as we come to, to gather for worship. You would open our ears and eyes that we might uh, hear from your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.